Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But we just got entertainment all the way around. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just reach out and touch somebody. Glory. Glad you're here tonight. We bless you. Good to have all of our visitors. If you're visiting for the first time, we bless you. Glory to God. Good to see each and every one of you. Glad you made it tonight. Uh, got a few announcements. Christian Couples Connection, the Young at Heart, and the Singles are going to be meet at Ryan's Steakhouse for dinner Friday, August 14th at 6.30. There's more uh, information in the foyer. So if you're married, if you're single, and if you're above 50, They'll be waiting for you at the trough. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right down the road over here. Also, SWAT, Young and Heart, Picnic and Bowling, August 20th at 1145. You can see Sister Carolyn or Sister Kay about the Kay. Kay, Kay, where are you? Kay, little Kay. There's Kay. Kay done backslid and moved in the back. So you can see her. And then the GT Kids Lock-In, Friday, August 21st, from 8 in the afternoon to 8 the next morning. You can get information and be free of your kids for a whole 24 hours, man. You can't beat that. Somebody shout hallelujah. If, amen. How, what, how, what's the age group? Uh, zero uh, months to uh, zero months. Kindergarten to sixth grade. Okay, so make sure that, you know, you kids come and have a good time doing that. Appreciate everybody who's volunteering for that. I want to read to you tonight Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I want to encourage you, invite someone to come Sunday. We're just going to have a really special service. I tell you, this last Sunday was great, and just it was so good to see everybody, and it was so full. But I believe this Sunday is going to be special, and God's going to bring a word, and uh, he, as He always does. And I'm just, I just love the Word of God, and I know you do too. And I appreciate you being here tonight. And that's what I want to share with you here in Philippians chapter three, verse twelve. This is the New Living Translation. It says, "I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, or that I already reached perfection." How many times do we or people, you know, what am I doing in church? You know, who am I? I'm far from perfect. Well, hallelujah, join the church. Amen. And Paul's saying, I haven't reached perfection, but listen to what he goes on to say. And he's going to say it two or three times here. I press on. Say that with me. I press on. You know, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. Even though I may not have it right, and even though I may not be perfect, I'm going to just press on. There, there's some work. There's that going through labor pains or things I've got to go through. And he says in verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. Paul is saying this. But I focus. I focus. I keep the focus on one, this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward. Somebody shout out, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in my job, what He's doing in me. I'm looking forward to what God's doing in my family. I'm looking forward to what God's doing in my marriage. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. Press on to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. You know, a lot of times we want something so free or we want it so fast and we're not willing to press in and just travail or fast or pray. And that's why I appreciate you uh, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, those who are faithful in coming. You know, um, we go through a lot of things of people coming and saying, you know, Pastor, pray for me. My wife left or my husband left me. We're going through this. We're going through that. And we pray. And, 
You know why? I tell you, I don't know how many shirts I've gotten makeup on by them crying that my mates left me. You know what's amazing is the mate comes back, but they don't come back to church. And, uh, you know, I've joined Facebook. How many's on Facebook? How many's on that gossip <laughs> Facebook? Anyway, I'm on Facebook. And you know one thing I don't like about it as pastor is to get on there when I get home and find out how many people, instead of being in church, some of them who's cried about their life being torn apart. And they stayed home from church, and they're on Facebook trying to figure out what type of animal they are. <laughs> yeah. You don't have a Facebook. You don't know what I'm talking about. If you have Facebook, there are all kind of things to find out what type of hippie you are, what type of person you are on programs, what type of dog you, animal you are. And Paul, he'll tell you what type of animal you are. He tell, he'll call you a dog right now. Paul in the Bible, he says you're a bunch of dogs. You know, you don't have to stay home and get on Facebook to find out what type of hypocrite, I mean animal, you are. The body, you come to church and the Bible will tell you. But you know what? What gets me is that when you're going through things, oh, I want to serve Jesus. And then Jesus does a miracle in the life and the marriage. And now people say, you know, I don't need to go to church. I'm going to stay home and I'm going to play on Facebook. If you're watching for internet, you know who I'm talking to. And the next time you want to tell me, Pastor, my wife left me, here's a quarter called Somebody Who Cares. <laughs> you know? You may say, that's not right. You know what? If Jesus did that for you, I'd be thankful in church to be able to grab my wife's hand and say, we're here praising the Lord yes, together. Amen. If your child was lost and going through things and God brought them back, I'd be in church praising God every type of opportunity that I have. And you may say, you know, you're being a little rough tonight. We ain't, night ain't over yet. Because <laughs> you know what? You know life is serious. That's right. That's right. And you know, these are days to be pressing, pressing in. Pressing on in. Pressing in. Pressing in to who God wants us to be. I'll never attain it. But I'll never be guilty of sitting down and giving up on attaining it. You'll never be guilty of sitting down on the job of the, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And you're incapable of doing yourself. And saying, I give up. I just can't do it. You know, you'll be the type that's pressing and saying, no matter how many times I felt it today or this week, I'm not going to sit down and say, I'll never attain. I'm going to attain. And the reason I'm going to attain is because I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up just because something didn't happen overnight. I'm not going to say prayer don't work just because I didn't get my miracle right away. Lord, if there's something that you got to do in me, I want you to do it. But I'm going to keep pressing in. That little lady with the issue of blood, it says that she pressed in. And guess what? She got what she said she was going to get because she pressed in. Regardless, she crawled and ate dirt. But she says, if I but just touch him, I know I shall be healed. She pressed in the crowd. She pressed through the opportunity of maybe being stoned because she was considered unclean. But Jesus healed her. If you just keep pressing in, even though you might feel like you're the biggest failure here tonight, or listening by internet, you may feel like you're the biggest failure. The gospel, the kingdom of God is for those who press in. Those who press in. 
Because, boy, when we wanted to sin, we could press into sin, couldn't we? When we wanted to do something bad, we find a way to do it. Well, how about the kingdom of God? We need to press in to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us and that we can run this race and one day stand before him and say, God, I wasn't a Facebooker on Wednesday nights. I was, I was a student of the mighty word of God that I put within my heart, meditated with my mind, and had my life renewed and changed. So I want to encourage we keep it balanced because it goes on to say in verse 19, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite, and they brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Church, I want to tell you, life is more about thinking about right now. Life is about eternity when we're going to face God. Life is about how well we ran this race. And so there needs to be a change in appetites. I want a change in appetites. There needs to be a change in my formula, my food. I want that change in my formula, my food. I want to better receive the richness of the Word of God. Amen. So with that, I want to invite the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive this afternoon's offerings and tithe. And I know you are just so happy about giving after a little mini message like that. But praise God, it's the truth. And the truth sets us free. And I just want to encourage you with the truth of the Word of God. Don't lose your first love. And don't lose your enthusiasm about the things of God because it's what will get you through the race and the hard times. Father, we come tonight and, Father, we magnify you and we honor you. We're so honored to come in your presence as children that are blood-bought and redeemed through the precious blood of Christ Jesus. We thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. And, Lord, I praise you that we are stirring up because you said stir yourself up. We're stirring ourselves up for hunger and thirst for the things of God. Lord, we pray that every one of us will run this race and press in and press through whatever has been a hindrance and whatever has been slowing us down. We're putting it on the side so that we can run this race to win. I think that everyone in here is a winner in Christ Jesus. Everyone in here is going to run and win and run over those mountains and run through those troops and leap over those walls that the enemy has put up to slow them down. And I thank you for the Lord the spirit of courage within each and every one that no matter what they're facing personally in their lives or in their mind or circumstances their heart is I'm going to press through to see the glory for the glory of my king and we give you the praise in Jesus name amen God bless you tonight the splendor of the king Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide, and trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, see how great. How great is our God. And time is in his hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The Godhead three 
one for the spirit son lion and the lamb lion and the lamb how great is our god sing with me how great is our god oh see how great how great is our god he's the name above all names he's worthy of all praise my heart will sing how great is our God well he's the Give the Lord praise. Hey, Brother Hallelujah. Russell. Can I share something real quick? Go ahead, brother. I, y'all can go. I'm, I'm, we're not saying. <laughs> I just I, I felt like I felt like I was supposed to share this before I sang that song, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it now anyway. But you know, you're talking about people not being in church and staying on Facebook and stuff. Well, last Wednesday night I was here, <laughs> and Good and after you. service I came up here to get prayed for because I had. I had pulled something in my chest that was hurting really bad. And last week, I was standing here with this bass on and singing and not being able to take a deep breath because it was sharp pains in my chest. And uh, I just want to say tonight, I can breathe as deep as I want to. I even sneezed today, and it didn't even hurt. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank God. Well, you're feeling good. By the time you left here, you felt a difference. Praise God. Amen. How many appreciate Brother Daryl? Hallelujah. He's a blessing. Hallelujah. Well, you know, the, the word says to go in all the world and make disciples, and it's just not being part of a church, but it's being discipled by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's what we've been doing on Wednesday nights. And one of the scriptures I want to share with you, you don't have to look this up, but I want to start off by uh, 1 Corinthians Thessalonians 2, 8. This is the NIV. Listen to what it says here. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, the NIV. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Say that with me. Not just the gospel, but to share my life also. And last week I was sharing about the importance of being available and ready as new people are coming in and reaching out. It was so awesome. Last Wednesday night, people stayed around and visited and just ministered to one another. Sunday morning, Sunday night, I noticed a difference and the importance of just reaching out and ministering and loving one another and allowing God to share the word, 
but share yourself too. Share your story. And I had a sister that hasn't been coming here very long. She came up to me after, I mean, before church tonight. And she said, uh, Brother Russell, do you have a ministry to unwed mothers? And she says, I, I have a heart towards that area. And I said, well, we don't have nothing really concrete in that ministry, but we're open. And she's very interested in doing that. And I'm just believing, you see, it's going to be arising, these ministries that are going to be available, that have experience, that can say, listen, I'm just not going to tell you what the Bible says about it. I'm going to share my life experience that Christ brought me through. I know what it's like to feel whatever, what rejection or hurt, pain, loneliness, confusion, desperation. I know what it's like to, to go in there and when they ask you uh, to sign the birth certificate and you don't know who the daddy is. And, I mean, you know who the daddy is, but you're not married and, you know, you give it your last name. I mean, people who understand in all these different areas. And I think this is what the church is supposed to be like. So I want to share that scripture with you as we get into this about safeguards to have a clean spirit. And go ahead and open your Bibles with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to give you a few scriptures as we get into this tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Because I want to give you something about this. It says, I don't only want to give you the gospel, I want to also give you my life. I want to share my life with you, not just share the word. But how many of you know, I want to have the type of life that is worth sharing with somebody. And that's why I want to talk to you tonight, a continuation of creating me a clean spirit or renew a right spirit within me and a clean heart that I am able to minister life, but a life that, that is worth giving somebody, a testimony that is to help somebody. And how do we do that? Because, you know, I, I just, I don't want to be a generic believer. I want to be a true identity of Jesus Christ, and I know you do too. And it takes the word working on us. And it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, this is the New King James Bible. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It says, be what? Be diligent. And the Living Bible says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. How many of you know we are working for His approval? Not man's approval, but God's approval. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker. One who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. And I love the message. It says, be the kind of container God can use to present any and every kind of gift to His guests. For their blessing. How many wants to be that container for God? Amen. Now just write this scripture down. I don't want you to look at it. But write down 1 Timothy 4.7. This is the New American Standard. 1 Timothy 4.7. This is what 1 Timothy 4.7. The New American Standard says. Discipline yourself. Discipline yourself. For the purpose of godliness. Sometimes I hear. Pastor I want to know my purpose so much. Here it is. To be godlike. To be Christ-like. But what does it say? Discipline yourself. Say that with me. Discipline myself. You know, we, we live under the, the time of grace. And so many times we get so relaxed and so easy. But Paul is saying, Timothy, the worst thing you want to do is get comfortable. The thing you do not want to do is just take the presence for granted. Because that's what we're going to find out from David. The thing that mattered most than anything else was, don't take your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because it's the presence of God in my life who's going to help someone. But I've got to learn to discipline myself. As disciples, the word disciple comes from the word discipline. And so if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and I'm going to work to His approval, I've got to discipline myself. Now look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
First Timothy 4, verse 16. First Timothy 4, verse 16. And this is kind of what I want to talk about tonight because I read to you. I don't only want to share the word with you, I want to share my life with you. And uh, how many know that's, that's a big commitment because how many of you said that when you got engaged? Why do you want to marry me? Or you, maybe her dad said, why do you want to marry her? I want, to, I want to share my life with her forever. Uh-huh, we'll see. <laughs> I know her mama, and so we'll see if you want to share your, or her daddy. We'll see if you want to share your life with her forever. But how many know if you find it's a life worth sharing with, you'll share it. But listen to what it says here in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Write that down if you're taking notes. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. I shared with you a number of scriptures last week. It's about what the people are hearing and it's what the people are seeing. And Paul is saying, listen, you've got to be the real thing and you've got to be able to say something, but not only say it, you've got to be able to live it. So take heed to yourself. And, and I, I would, it, Shakespeare says, to thy own self be true. And you may say, wow, you study Shakespeare. No, I watched Gilligan's Island. And Gilligan was Shakespeare, if you remember the old episode, to thy own self be true. And so that's what I want to share with you tonight. To thy own self be true. Take heed to yourself. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If I don't examine my life, if I don't take heed to who I am, if I don't pay attention to what broke me, I'll never get fixed. How can I build, listen, how can I build a new history out of my life? How can we build a new marriage out of our life if I'm not going to be totally honest with who I am and what broke me in the first place? If I don't fix what's broken in me, if I don't humble myself enough to say, okay, Lord, examine me and whatever is wrong with me, whatever keeps breaking me, I want to see it because I want to fix it because I want to be able to be fixed so that I can share something that will fix the life of others. Amen. So this is some of the things I want to share with you tonight. How many of you, uh, some of you will tell our age here, how many of you remember uh, Tom Landry, the Dallas Cowboys coach, and uh, uh, Roger Starr back all those days? My, my family, my dad's family's from Texas, and, uh, uh, you know, they all were big, Roger Starback and uh, Tom Landry. Uh, 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 they loved him. Anyway, Tom Landry wrote this. The job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve and become what they've always wanted to become. The job of a coach, and I had one of my boys today telling me, boy, daddy, my coach was rough. They had two kids thrown up and he made them run anyway. I said, well, son, didn't you say last week you wanted to join the army? Yes, sir. I said, well, you better appreciate this coach. But the reason, the coach says, the reason we make you do what you don't want to do so that you can achieve and become who you really desire to become. You know, that's about football. Now, how about us who want to become like Christ? How about doing things, forgiving and loving and going to church and praying and fasting and different things we have to do? How about doing things we don't want to do, but yet knowing that we, our labor is not in vain and whatever we sow, we're going to reap? So how about the idea about doing things I may not feel like I want to do, but yet knowing that I'll achieve and become like Christ by doing things I don't want to do. 
And if we make that a law, not only for football, we make that a law in the church, I think the church will become who it's supposed to become like, and that is Christ. Amen. So what I want to talk to you tonight about taking heed to yourself, I have a book here, and I usually recommend a book on Wednesday nights. This is an old book. You probably could get it off of eBay for 90 cents. And it's The Man in the Mirror. It's by Patrick M. Morley. And it's a famous book, Man in the Mirror. And it's 24 problems men face. And it takes these 24 problems and it's getting real with who I am. What's wrong with me? I'm weak in that area. Because, you know, we don't want to self-examine ourselves. And we really, a lot of times, don't want God to examine us because, you know, we may have to change. But it's changing that will make us for the better. And so many times we've got to humble ourselves and say, you know, I need to look at myself and find out. And you, you can write this down. Pride is not into self-evaluation. Pride is not into self-evaluation. You know what I read? You know what is the number one killer in a church? Pride. So you know what I was started thinking? You know what would be the number one builder in a church? Humility. Humility would be the number one builder in the church where pride is the number one killer. We just learn to humble ourselves and self-evaluate and set self aside. And, and look, I want to show you this, and I'll share it with you last week. But look again, Psalms 140, Psalms 141, and I'll show you a few things out of David here. Psalms chapter 141, verse 5. Listen to how much David wanted to change. Psalms 141, verse 5. Listen to David. In Psalms 141, verse 5, it says, Let the righteous strike me, and it shall be kindness. Let him rebuke me, and it shall be as excellent oil. There, there's an increase of anointing when we allow rebuke, and we set ourselves aside, and we become aware and open to things in our life that uh, may be wrong, and uh, just a change in things in life that needs to be changed. And uh, I want to ask a few questions. For example, what lies am I believing? You know what you hear a lot of people say today? You can't believe the press. You know, the press will lie about anything and everything. Well, what is the press going on inside of our heads? What is telling us something that may not be true about ourselves? So what lies am I believing? And also, what lies are still making me crash in the same areas I've always crashed in? What areas that lies, belief system that I have that still may be making me crash in areas that I've crashed before? How can I change those things? And you know, the, the, the thing we have to b become is totally honest and truthful with ourselves. Right now, I am still under oath that I did before a judge two weeks ago where I went with a couple who's going through a battle uh, for some children. And I got before the judge and I had to swear before the judge. And when they, they had to dismiss for a certain reason, the judge said, you are under oath till September. So even though I swore that day, I am under oath till I get back to be with this family in this situation. And, I, and talking to the lawyer, the lawyer said something that really struck in my mind. He, he talked to the witnesses, and I'll, I'm a witness, and he says, just get up there and tell the truth. He says, if you don't stick to the truth, it's easy to sway from what is true. And if you sway away from what is truth, then you get nervous and your conscience will start bothering you. And I wrote that down. If you sway from the truth, the story starts changing. The conscience starts bothering you. And if I would have just stuck to what I know, 
It's not about sounding good before that judge. It's not about even helping out the people that I love. It's about telling the truth. Because if I tell the truth, my story will never change. But when I sway from the truth in my life, I'm a pastor, I'm a liar. Well, brother, let's get you some scriptures about lying. No, I only lie sometime. You just told me you're a liar. No, I only believe in white lies. Oh, okay. You know, uh, I only do this once in a while. The truth is, you do it all the time. And if you want to get free, you'll confess, I do it all the time. And you won't sway from your story. I'm addicted. I'm hurt. I'm doing some things that are wrong. And that doesn't make you a worse person. That makes you a person ready for combat. Because as long as you deny the truth, you're going to sway from the truth and you'll never get the truth that is able to set you free. And so David was saying, take heed to yourself. If there's something wrong with me, change it. I need to, I need to be changed. And you know, the devil, I was, I was watching, um, I guess you've seen a lot of things about Michael Jackson here lately and we watched his story on TV. And the poor guy, from his childhood to his death, he could never please everybody. He, he had a bad, low self-image of himself because the fans wanted him to look one way, so he would do whatever he could to look that way to please the fans. And then his parents wanted him to do this, so he had to do this because his parents wanted him to. But nobody ever asked what Michael Jackson wanted to do. He wanted to walk like me. That's what Michael Jackson wanted to do. But anyway, nobody wanted to know what Michael Jackson wanted to do. So Michael Jackson built this ranch called Never Never Land because you know why? Because his mind was the never-never land for humanity. Everybody close to him and all of his fans just played with his emotions and played with his thoughts and played with his imagination. And he would isolate himself because nobody loved me. Well, let me tell you something. The devil will make an amusement park out of your mind and out of your soul if you don't stop him. And you'll never be happy, you'll never be free, and you'll end up dead. The Bible says, take imaginations and bring them, strongholds, bring them under the authority of the Word of God. Because the Satan loves amusement park rides. You're a loser. I'm a loser. He'll get on that baby and he'll ride it till you die. I'm a heathen. He'll get on that ride and he'll ride you till you die. I'll never amount to nothing. He'll get on that and he'll ride you till you die. And you'll make it some ups and then you'll get some downs. And all my life, up and down, up and down. And you'll go, what is going on with my life? It's because the, you're believing a lie. You're not accepting the truth. You're not believing the truth about yourself and saying, I need counseling. I need help. I need to get in church. I need to get born again. I need to get saved. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need to turn my life around to God. Until we get to the point where we can be totally true and say, look, my life is a wreck and a disaster. And it's so beyond, I don't care what anybody thinks. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Stop hollering, you're too loud, blind man. Listen, you don't know what it's like to be blind. If you were blind, sitting on the side of the road, begging for money, you wouldn't shut up because people told you to shut up. I don't care what people think. I heard Jesus can save me, heal me, deliver me. I am tired of this tin cup. I'm tired of this beggar's mantle. I'm tired of this lifestyle. Jesus, I'm a beggar. I'm a blind man. And I need to receive my sight. They said, be quiet. And it says he cried the loudest. He cried louder. I'm not here to amuse. I'm here because I need deliverance and freedom in my life. Amen, church. And so they 
We blame others. We bury our heads. It's this one's fault, that one's fault, and that's all part of that amusement park. Well, maybe it was the father who abused you physically. Maybe it was the father who abused you sexually. Maybe it was the ex-husband. And maybe it was the boss. And, and maybe you have all the right in the world and the natural to blame them. But the father says to forgive those as we have been forgiven. So that we, even if we have to forgive them by faith, because we can't in the natural. Father, you've got to help me and give me the grace to forgive so I can go forward. But I've got, I've got, I've got to speak the truth that... I've been blaming everybody, but you know what? My daddy who abused me physically, he's not here at this beer joint making me do what I'm doing. My daddy who abused me sexually, he didn't, he didn't bring me to Gigi's. I came here because I can't blame daddy. I'm the one who needs a work in my life. The man who drove me to drugs, he's not there right now. I've got to quit blaming people. And I've got to be honest and say, Lord, it's me. I need a work done in my life. Look with me at Psalms chapter 139. Psalms 139. I know you're saying, wow, this is strong. And th- who are you mad at? I'm mad at the devil. But you know, we have to be strong to fight the opponent that we have. And to be strong, we've got to be honest and truthful with ourselves. Paul said, take heed to yourselves. Oh, that's the pastor's job. No, pastor don't live with you. Paul says, you take heed to yourself. I want you to see in Psalms 139, verse 24. 23. Psalms 139, verse 23. Look what David says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And look at verse 24. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The living says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. The message says, investigate my life, O God. And find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture about what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me to the road to eternal life. What is David saying? He's saying, if I'm going to be a man, church, listen. If I'm going to be a man after God's own heart, then I'm going to have to allow God to cross-examine me. If I want his heart, I've got to let him examine my heart. The only way I'm going to have the heart of God is to let God cross-examine my heart and point out and investigate anything in my life. And you know what he says? Just because you point it out, it's not fixed. But Holy Spirit, you can lead me to that way to where I can get out of this and my life can be changed. But until I get like David and say, Lord, show me. He says, do you want me to show you? Yes, Lord, I want you to show me. And then he brings up something that you didn't even know that was there. And he says, this offends me. Oh, God, it's nothing. Ah, you going to talk back? You want my heart? Then let me cross-examine you. Let me be truthful with you. Let me share my heart with you. And let me help you. Amen. He was not afraid to ask God to inspect his heart. That's intimacy and that's relationship. Look with me in Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51. You see, he said, he's, I'm coming back for a bride without spot and wrinkle. I'm coming back for a glorious bride. 
But you know what? A glorious bride is going to be a bride who makes sure everything is so picture perfect that everybody's going to go, oh, when she walks down the aisle instead of, oh, my, look at that get up. Bride prepares herself, and so that this is this is what it's talking about. Psalms fifty-one, verse ten. Look what David says. You God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. And listen to his cry here. The thing that David feared more than the economy, church, you heard? More than he feared about the economy. The more that he feared losing his life, more than he feared losing his friends, more than he feared losing his family. This is what it, the number one thing he feared. Do not take away your presence from me. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me in your generous spirit. David knew that God could could heal him. And he says, lead me in the way everlasting. Not my way, but his way. He, He didn't have to explain his actions when he messed up. He just had to go before God and be truthful and say, this is where I messed up. Listen, you know, a lot of believers get excited when they first get saved. And when, like Brother Darrell, you know, he's all excited about his healing. And, and, uh, you know, we get excited when we get healed. But, you know, a lot of people lose their enthusiasm as times go by because we stop focusing on what's really wrong with me. The more I don't want to see who I really am, the farther of the presence away from God I'm going to go. And the less enthusiasm I'm going to have with God. Because the last time I got with God, God told me, you're wrong in that area and you need to go say you're sorry. Last time I got with God, he made me do something that hurt me. And so you know what? God, I don't want to go there. I don't want to see that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to be that type of a person. I, I made me who I am. And God says, I thought you wanted to be like me. And so we lose enthusiasm as we allow things that hurt us to stop us. I want you to look with me in prayer. The Lord gave this as a prophetic word. And so I went and looked it up. And I want to end with this tonight in Acts chapter 19. I'm sorry, Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. Know thyself. What's hurting me? What's stopping me? What practices are hindering me? You know, when Elijah outran the chariot, it says he had to take his robe and he had to tuck it into his belt because if you leave it down you're going to trip Paul preached the same thing in Hebrews where he says take off the things that are slowing you down that could trip you around your feet so you can run this race with everything you have you know there are things that can trip us up that God wants us to deal with so that we can go forward and not be held backwards and in Luke chapter 19 verse 1 through 10 I know you know the story we used to sing it as a, as a kid. Uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. How, a wee little man was he? How many remember? Oh, they used to sing that song. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus that was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus. But could not because of the crowd for his st- short statue. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's going to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone of false accusation, I restore fourfold. 
And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to what? To seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? He says, I came to seek and to save. That word save means to redeem. To, you, you write this down. The word save means to buy back or to add value back to, to revalue. I've come to give value back to that which was lost. Listen, this is what I want to say. It says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and he was rich. In other words, he was the richest man. He had all the possessions. He had the house. He lived in the neighborhood. He drove the chariot. He had the horses. He had everything. And you know what it came down to? And this is what the Lord came, came forth through prophetic word last night. Zacchaeus had to become a child again and think outside of the adult mindset. He had to think, you know what? I want to see Jesus so bad. I can't impress Jesus with my money, who I am and where I live. But you, I'm going to climb this tree as a 10-year-old boy. I'm going to become a child again. I'm going to open up my heart and I'm just going to become a child again. And I'm going to climb this tree because I've got to see Jesus. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how humiliating I need to make myself. It doesn't matter how low esteem I have to make myself at all the neighborhood. It doesn't matter what I end up looking in my own eyes because that what happened to Saul. Saul got interested in what he looked like in his own eyes and not the eyes of Jehovah. Zacchaeus says, I don't care what people are going to say. Look at that rich grown man climb into a tree. But by climbing in that tree, by willing to be a child again, and, and, and this is what came out of the Word last night. This is what I, I wanted to share with you. Sometimes, listen church, we can be so adultish that we lose the childishness of going before the Father and having that childish innocence and transparency and allowing our Father to tell us exactly what Father needs to say. We become so grown up. Father, you know, your kids grow up and they start, when they get bigger, they go, uh-uh, Dad, that ain't going to work anymore. Dad, you don't talk to me that way. And we, you know, you, you knock a kid like that. But you know what? So many times we grow up and the father says, I'm not pleased with this. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, everybody else does it. But you're not everybody else. You know, Zacchaeus was the shortest man around. That sycamore tree grew 12 feet. In other words, Zacchaeus grew to 12 feet because he became childlike. Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to be the servant of all. He that wants to be the greatest must be the servant of all. Zacchaeus was willing to climb a tree and be a kid again. And you know what it says? When Jesus had supper with Je when Zac Zacchaeus had supper with Jesus, when we dine with Jesus... Zacchaeus lost all sight of himself by beholding the master. And Zacchaeus didn't think about Zacchaeus anymore, about how can I get more taxes and how can I rip people off. You know what he did? He became people conscious. First thing he said, Jesus didn't mention the poor or nothing. Jesus is just eating, but his presence does something to you. His presence does something to you. It's not church. It's not religion. It's not man. It's when you sup with Jesus. 
when, when you look in His eyes and when you feel the presence of uh, the Lord, it does something on the inside of you. And Zacchaeus couldn't stand it anymore. And he says, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving 50% of everything I have to the poor. And he says, Lord, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to give back fourfold because it's not about little Zacchaeus anymore. It's about others. And when he became humbled about himself and he says, you know what? This stuff don't mean nothing because I'm empty. I'm hurting. This stuff has not pleased me. I'm dying on the inside. And when we sup with Jesus, just being his presence, being in his true presence, we start seeing things. Oh, Lord, I don't com- my love does not compare to your love. My patience doesn't compare to your patience. My peace doesn't compare to your peace. Lord, my, my prayer life, my sacrifice, my humility. Taking on the image of Christ and humbling myself in the image of Christ as in Philippians chapter 2. Lord, I don't, I don't mount up. Lord, I've been so, I've been so self-absorbed when you desire me to be so absorbed with you that I just, I just minister often to others. He supped with Jesus and it changed him. Church will not change the deep things that are maintaining the curse. Just being faithful to church will not uproot what needs to be cast into the sea. But sitting at the feet of Jesus and supping at the table of the Lord will uproot everything in life that doesn't produce fruit and then His fruit will start producing. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Being a disciple of the Lord. Amen. Willing to humble myself. And accept, I put it here, unacceptable behavior for somebody like me. What, me? To serve in the nursery and get doo-doo on my fingers when I'm changing a diaper? Me? Me? Pastor, I don't know what's wrong. I've been coming to this church for years and everything keeps going wrong for me. What ministry are you involved with? Oh. What are you doing? Nothing. We need some work in the nursery. No, those babies stink. Well, I'm smelling something a lot worse. It's called pride. I would not. Who said that? Naaman, the general with leprosy. I'm a leper. And you're telling me to dunk seven, 12 times, seven times in this muddy river? I got better rivers where I come from. That's below me. That's unacceptable of someone in my position. The church has to get back to the unacceptable in our own eyes and what is acceptable to his eyes. You know, we got people here. Nine years ago, my, wife, my son and I, my oldest boy and I, we were riding down the road and we saw this lady with... Her daughter, another lady, and a little baby sitting at a, at a gas station on the side there. And uh, they had a flat tire and no spare. And so I told my son, he was about 10, 11. I, I said, we've got to go back and help him. We turned around, 
I took him to uh, the Texaco, bought him a tire, brought it back, put the tire on for him, and, and paid for it. I said, y'all don't have to pay me back or nothing, and put it on and got them all ready, and they were all sweating. It was summertime, and I said, I just want you to know that a preacher, because they like to, everybody likes to talk about preachers, but I said, I want you to know something. A preacher just bought you a tire and just put the tire on for you. And I'm not bragging about me. They're members of this church. They're here all the time. They're not here tonight. Hello. But anyway, they're, they're, all, they're always here. They're always here. And they would tell you that my boy and I, they remembered us. You know what? Some, that's below me. I'll get my hands dirty. I'll get sweaty. I'll get stinky. Oh, look, it, it, you know, this and that and the other. Look, they probably that way because it's their own fault. Look, he's blind because who sinned, his mom or his daddy or him? Jesus said, neither. It's for the glory of God. Why are they going through what they're going through? It's for the glory of God. And God is getting ready to get some glory in some lives because there is an outpouring of a revival of salvation that's happening. And Zacchaeus had to do something that was unacceptable to find the acceptable king. I'm going to your house. Could it be, someone say, why don't I have the presence of God in my house? Could it be that I have to become unacceptable to myself to become acceptable to Him? Do I have to examine myself, be honest with myself, be true to myself? The chief of publicans is truly the chief of sinners. I'm empty and I'm incomplete. Now it's not about me, it's about Jesus. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That word meek means submitted to God. Listen to this. This is another definition of meekness there. To stoop to the lowest and the downtrodden, identify with them, and help them up. Meekness. To stoop to the lowest and the downtrodden, identify with them, and help them up. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? Jesus identified with us in all of our weaknesses. You read all through, read the Old Testament. But every time they, time they stoned somebody, every time they burnt somebody, every time they killed somebody because of their sin, read about it. And you know what? They did something and they deserved it. You know what? I didn't have to die a cruel death because Jesus died a cruel death for me. He emptied himself and he humbled himself to come on my level so that I could go on his level and be a son of God. And that's what this word meekness means, to stoop and identify with this person's need and to stoop down and help pick them back up. Help them and love them. You know what? I'm telling you right now, it's this type of message that pleases the Father. It's this type of heart that's going to make giant killers out of the church. A lot of people tell me, Pastor, you need to preach more on this. You need to be more like this. You need to do this. You know, we need more of those power messages and praise God and overcoming and victory. And I believe in all that. But you know what? If we get the heart of God, we'll cut that giant's head off. If we'll get the heart of God and we're faithful with those few small sheep... We'll be overcoming the kingdom of the enemy and seeing the kingdom of God established on earth. And it will be a long-lasting kingdom. You know what I've been praying for? I've been praying for a revival of humility and a revival of meekness and a revival of Jesus being seen. I've been praying for a revival of love. And that's why we're seeing souls saved. They're being drawn here. Because 
I need to change, but I need to change and I need a, a change that will change me from the inside out. That I'm just not a member of the church with my gold card. I'm a member of the church of the body of Christ. And I've been cleansed and I have been freed and I have been delivered. So I want to invite you to stand up tonight. I just invite you to just bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus told the disciples, if you want to gain your life, you've got to lose it. That's where we find the battle many times. I want to confess him with my mouth and I want to believe in my heart to be saved. I want to get saved. I want to go to heaven. I want my name in the Lamb's book of life. But I do not want to lose my life. Matthew 25 says, on that day, we all shall stand before the throne of God and he shall separate the sheep from the goats. And he'll come to some and they go, why are you separating us? He says, I don't know you. How do you not know me? We, we went to church. We confessed you before men. We did all of these wonderful things. He says, you didn't visit me when I was hungry and you didn't care for me when I was hurting. And you didn't stoop to the lowest position of that person and identify with their need and wholeheartedly want to help them. If you haven't done it to the least of these, you haven't done it to me. There's an area of our heart the church has to get back to. Of serving Jesus in the way he served us. And following his example. And as your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I, I don't know Jesus. Maybe you knew him as a kid, maybe you've belonged to a church, maybe you were baptized, but you're not serving him now. If you die right now, you don't know whether you would go to heaven or hell. You may say tonight, my life is in misery, in shambles. My life is so broken. Listen, he wants to fix it. You just lose your life. Give it to him and let him fix you. And let him give himself to you. If you're here tonight and you need to give your life over to Christ and renew your relationship with him and follow him, I want you to raise your hand. Just raise your hand right there where you are. Raise your hand and say, I need to surrender my life over to Christ. Raise it real high so I can see, please. Raise it real high. Real high. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? I need to lose my life to gain his life. I want to do what is unacceptable to who I thought I was to be pleasing to God. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Anybody else? Anybody else? Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you as my master. You are the potter and I am the clay. I surrender my life fresh and anew tonight. I am sorry for my rebellion. Turning a blind eye to what you're pointing to in my life. For doing my way and not the everlasting way. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of trusting in my position, my riches and possessions. I surrender all that I have and all that I am 
I surrender it to you tonight. And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Father, that the good work that you started in my life, you will finish. And I will stand before you totally accepted and loved in your sight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now just, just raise your hands right there. As a, when, when you raise your hands, that's a sign of total surrender, complete surrender. Just raise your hands. Just raise your hands. Lord, I, reveal to me areas I've got to surrender over to you. Reveal to me areas of pride and selfishness. Reveal to me areas in my life that's not right. Any areas of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of hate, of resentment. Reveal to me and also give me your grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to help me and strengthen me to overcome these weaknesses. Because as Paul said, where I am weak, I am strong. But many times I have to see my weakness so that I can have your strength revealed to me. I need to see your strength revealed to me to work on those areas of weaknesses in me. I surrender my life, Lord. Reveal to us what does not please you. Oh, reveal to us our heart. Examine, cross-examine, and test our character, our integrity. Test our thoughts, test our, our motives. That they would be pure and holy and acceptable before you. Holy Spirit, take over this church. Take over your body. Oh, we yield to you, Holy Spirit, that we may be acceptable in your sight. We pray and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, God bless you. We love you. Don't forget to get a bulletin about all the different things that are going to be on and be a part of that. We're going to see you Sunday morning. Come Sunday morning. There's something the Holy Spirit wants to speak directly into our hearts that will change our lives. And, and I tell you what, I prophesied about the children last night and I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a snake go towards your kids, my kids, and Jake's kids. And they, uh, one of them had a, a plastic sword. And every time he hit that sword, that snake's head would go up. And the prophetic word said that... It, Children are about ready to come out of the hypnotic power of the enemy. That's why we prophesied last night. The python spirit of the area will not be able to hypnotize the children as before. But there is a crushing of the head of that python spirit and that demonic hypnotic spirit that would try to psych out and bring control over our kids and our families. Not to believe the things of the world or hell, but to have the mind of Christ and walk in freedom. And I not only prophesied it, but I dreamed it last night. I was going to tell you that there is a sword rising in the hands of our children and our youth and in our hands to defeat the power of the enemy. So I want to encourage you, get ready to hear of children like Samuel, five years old, hearing the voice of God and even speaking the word of the Lord before the, 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 the people of God. I believe we're coming to precious times. And even we, I believe, are going to become childlike in the presence of God for God to do that work on our heart. Amen? Amen. We are children of God. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you. If you need prayer, we'll be here to pray and minister to you.